Hey everybody, this is episode 50, Dave, of the Masterclass. We are very excited to be here for this episode. It is uh, our Super Bowl, if you will. We yes. talked about the Super Bowl last year, or last episode, Yes, and, and one of my friends said that they skipped that whole section because <laughs> <laughs> they don't like sports. So, but this is episode 50, uh, or I'm sorry, episode L. L. Yes. Episode <laughs> L, uh, of the masterclass. And I am cam. And just like every other episode, he's Dave. What is up? Uh, you know, just excited that, uh, we're recording again and I can't believe we've done this 50 times now. Yeah. I, I'm not sure any of our friends or family <laughs> can believe it either. And they're like, you're still doing that? Really? Okay. But yes, we have reached 50 episodes and it only took us 13 and a half months. So mm-hmm. that's pretty good. Yeah. Like, because yeah, we, f- we didn't start off weekly. No. And if you consider that, like, we're what, like 50 episodes in like 58 or 59 weeks. And we yeah. did the first like five, four or five shows. Bi-weekly? Yeah. That's, we're the model of consistency, Dave. <laughs> Let's just pat ourselves on the back. So uh, last episode, we thought we weren't sure what we were going to do um, to celebrate episode L. And uh, frankly, we didn't really have any grand plans. Um, I think just because, it, I, I actually, it snuck up on me. I don't know about you, Dave. Oh, yeah. But all of a sudden, it was like, oh, shoot, that's next week. Um, so I just sent out uh, a question on Facebook and Twitter, something along the lines of, if you've got anything that you want us to talk about or any questions you want us to answer for the episode, just go ahead and let us know. And so my cousin, Taylor, who is uh, a very funny man, uh, shot me this question. <clears throat> Dave. Yes. Could God make a burrito so hot that he could not eat it? That is a great question. It's a very good question, actually. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous, but it's a very good question. Yes. Well, this is, I, I would say that um, the more, I guess the two versions of this, or um, what I've heard before is can God build a, can God create a rock so big that he couldn't lift it? Well, that's just silly. uh, Yeah. Or can God make a square circle? A wrestling ring, duh. (laughs) So. uh, I like the burrito version better. That's much more creative. Far more creative. So, yeah. And I, you know, I I know Taylor's coming at it from a a humorous uh, standpoint, but um, this is, to me, this is. that my experience with these kinds of questions are people that don't really want to talk about God. It's like they kind of want to throw this red herring out there to sort of get you off track and not really discuss what the issue is. Because the fact of the matter is, is there are things that God cannot do. So, and like it, love country music, he can't do it. It's just it's it's in, he's incapable. It goes against his nature. Yes, so. it's sinful. Yeah. So there's you know. Um, there are just certain things that, uh, you know, God cannot lie. And so to, to try to find something that God can't do, uh, I think to, to prove that he's not, um, um, oh gosh, I can't even say uh, omnipotent. Um, omnipotent. <laughs> omnipotent. Omnipotent. So all powerful. Um, yeah. So there's things that he can't do. He can't change. 
He's the same yesterday. His today, clothes and must tomorrow. stink. <laughs> <laughs> so God, that was terrible. Okay, but seriously, this question. I I, I laughed out loud when I read this question. Yeah. And then I thought about it and I was like, wait a minute. This is actually a fairly deep question. Because one, we're assuming that God eats and that God has a mouth and bowels and taste buds and all of those things. Mm-hmm. So I this this actually led me to then think, well, we are made in God's image and we have bodies, mm-hmm. but we don't necessarily think of God as being bodily, right? Right. Jesus, God in bodily form, Jesus. Uh, and so I just think there's lots of aspects to this question that actually lead us to theological discussion. And so the first one being, is God right now, not Jesus, is, is God the Father in a human body somewhere in the heavens? No. Okay. <laughs> State your sources. No. Because <laughs> it's, it, it's, I think it's easy for us to, it's easier for us, or at least for me, to try and relate with Jesus, even though I can't see him, but because right. I read about him as a man, right. as a human, as someone who lived and walked. So could Jesus make a burrito so hot that he couldn't eat it? <laughs> sure, certainly. A couple ghost peppers, boom, he's not touching it, right? <laughs> but he could, like, right before he eats it, just go, and mild salsa. Like, wave his hand, and then he could eat it, and it'd be fine, right? But I don't think Jesus' physical body was immune to no ghost peppers. No. I don't think he was either. But if... So I think from that standpoint, if, if God is this uh, disembodied spirit or being, however you want to put it, that, that, that stands outside of space and time and, and lives firmly in the spiritual realm while, while being in the physical realm but lives you know, uh, outside of it, then he probably can't eat a burrito. No. But, but- he could imagine eating a burrito. <laughs> Well, and I, I think it even goes back to the, the your question of um, we are created in God's image. And so, he, he I mean, he created things like, um, you know, eating, uh, for that matter, sex, you know, things that were clearly, I mean, they're enjoyable. And I think God designed it to be that way. And so, are those just... Um, when you try to take an infinite, you know, the essence of an infinite being and put it in a physical body, do you have to create things like eating and sleeping and sex and stuff like that to mimic what he can experience um, in a in a physical sense? Because I, I truly believe that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God existing in eternity had relationships with each other. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're in, in the most intimate relationship that has probably ever existed has been amongst those three in eternity. And so um, you take that and you try to put it into a, a finite physical world, and it probably falls short. And so there are these things that God would have, I believe God would have created to mimic some of those things because, because that's, I think a lot of where our sin come in comes in too is pleasure and seeking that pleasure 
uh, in the wrong areas versus pleasure that should come from God. And hmm. I hadn't thought of it that way. So I think in theory, God could not make a burrito so hot that he could not eat it. But in practicality, I don't really think God cares too much about burritos. Probably not. Hmm. <laughs> I wonder if that's all they serve in hell, is burritos so hot you can't eat them. Ah, see, now there you go. <laughs> Wouldn't that be ironic? <laughs> that, that that's a, You that's... can even toast them with all the fire that's around you. <laughs> <laughs> but they're just too hot to eat. All right, Taylor, thank you for that wonderful question. Yes. Uh, up next, Dave, we had another question. This one comes from Daniel, and uh, he had a very specific question um, about a specific uh, comic book figure. And then after we, uh, I asked him a question, and, and he responded. We, I kind of settled on on a broader approach that I think will um, reflect where Daniel was going with the question, um, but also maybe help us have a, a better discussion because you were, you and I, we know of superheroes. We know of comic books. Neither of us, I think are considered no. experts on the topic, but we still will answer the question to the best <laughs> of our abilities. So the question that um, I pulled from my discussion uh, with Daniel was, should superheroes uh, and or comic books be embraced by Christians? What do you think, Dave? Uh, I, yeah, I think they, I mean, I don't, in, I'll take the first part in terms of superheroes. I don't think there's anything wrong with um, having superheroes or being fans of, of a superhero. Um you know, I, I think there's a, um, oh, what am I trying to, trying to say? Uh, you know, superheroes ultimately kind of, um, mimic Jesus on, on some level. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm <laughs> the whole like saving people thing. Well, I, I think there's just a, I think there's a lot of parallels that can be drawn. Um, it it depends on on the superhero, I guess. Yeah. But. Um, Batman, not particularly. Uh, yeah. Kind of has a mean streak. <laughs> well, and that's definitely. I, I would say comic books have become. Uh, well. I guess I honestly I don't know a lot about comic books, but it seems to me that it's been recent um, that the heroes in comic books sort of show their their darker side. I don't know, maybe that's always been the case, but well, it depends on um, the series and, and the character. Like even Superman, who's always been like the. Like the the quintessential, yeah, like the knight in shining armor. Even even he has gone through like the whole like the new movie that's coming out with him and Batman. Like that was a long that that comic book uh, storyline is old, mm -hmm. where or they go against each other, and um, so I mean, and there's points where where Batman goes bad, 
uh, not bad, but goes real dark. The X-Men, certain storylines there go real dark. Um, the, I mean, a lot of it's now because the TV shows is becoming much more mainstream that mm-hmm. we're aware of this stuff. Um, like the, the Daredevil uh, f- uh, show on Netflix is really dark. Uh, Arrow on CW is fairly dark. He's kind of like the anti-hero. It's the same. It's a Batman story with mm-hmm. a bow and arrow, um, essentially, um, with a few twists. Um, I th- so I think I don't have I don't have a problem with superheroes or comic books. I think um, I think what we need to be careful with, especially with young kids is if we tell if if they're really into comic books which makes sense because that's when a lot of people um get introduced to comic books and superheroes and that kind of becomes a hobby is is how do we distinguish fact from fiction especially at a young age mm-hmm. um and so you're going to church and you're learning about this you know great guy Jesus who who saves you and you go home and read about all these other characters who save people and so how do you as a christian parent of you know a young boy or girl mm-hmm. how do you differentiate fact from fiction and how do you explain to young kids that comic books are fake but the bible's real when they're both books you know what i mean mm-hmm. and kids bibles have lots of photos and cartoons just like comic books do and and so i think that that can be a struggle um for parents in 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 differentiating that um, but also even as adults, it's very easy to get swept up in the fantasy of watching a movie like the Avengers and just, I mean, it's visually, it's stunning and it's, it's, it's easy to wonder, man, what if that were real? And, and, and all of those stories take places in, you know, a world where God doesn't exist. And so I've gotten, I mean, I, I like those movies. I watch them. I think they're really entertaining. And I think that, as you said, if you're if you're smart and if you know what Scripture says, you can see, you know, biblical complexes or people struggling with the God complex as a superhero, mm-hmm. kind of like Tony Stark uh, in the new Iron Man and Avengers series um, movies. But I mean, I think it's something to consider. Just like you consider, you know, what your kids should watch or what you as an adult should watch. Um, something to consider is. Is is that fantasy world something that you or your family can handle and separate from from reality? And I, I, just, I mean, I think it's a very interesting question. Yeah, and I, I guess you know, like you said, I, I think that applies to comic books. I think it applies to movie and television. I think it applies to you know any novel or anything like that, and. I personally am of the opinion that one, if if you are firmly rooted in your faith and you're seeking God, and um, you're you're being filled in with Him, then these kinds of things are not going to sway you. And the other thing is, is I believe in participating in these kinds of things with my family and my kids versus just saying you can't do it. I would much rather watch it with them and explain it to them because that's the way the world is. And I'm much more that way after being a police officer 
than I was before being a police officer because I'm just like, people want to act like this stuff doesn't exist. And so while I would never, ever just encourage people to um, just fill themselves with the world and garbage, I think it has its place. I think it's kind of that difference of being in the world and not of the world. Uh, so yeah, it's a fine line. Um, like I said, I'm, I, I may be one of the few rare people when it comes to this in Christian culture of, um, I, I would say that people probably need to be spending more time in their Bible period. Um, and then lessening some of those other things versus just poo-pooing those other things. And so, uh, the other thing with the comic books is I know they can be graphic. I know there can be gore and sex and those just as much as there can be in a movie. And so I think that's the other thing you need to, to look out for of, uh, like I've never actually seen walking dead comic books, but, um, lots of F bombs. Is there <laughs> tons of F bombs? So yeah, you know, those are, so I no, I couldn't get through it. Oh, really? So yeah, the dialogue yeah. was so ridiculous. <laughs> TV shows so much better. So I don't think there's anything inherently evil or bad about comic books or superheroes, but I just think it's like anything you really have to weigh it as to what kind of an influence that it has over you. And, um, there are Christian comic books. Oh no. Are there seriously? Yeah. Uh, Kingstone media which like, I don't know anything about it, but it's the Bible. And I guess my, my thing is, is, you know, if you take the old Testament and you put the old Testament in the comic book, well, guess what folks, you're going to have sex and you're going to have blood and gore and murder. Yeah. So it would be interesting if somebody actually, you know, the precious moments version, (laughs) (laughs) you know, all right. So superheroes and comic books, not inherently bad. Good stories. So. All right. Well, Daniel. Stick with the Archies. Oh, gosh. Jughead. <laughs> well, Taylor and Daniel, thank you for those questions. And this is the part of the show where I get to totally uh, apologize because somebody else sent in a question or a topic the other day. And I remember reading it. And I remember thinking, I need to put this in the show notes right now. And about 10 minutes before I started recording, I remembered this, and I cannot find where I received this question or topic. I checked Facebook. I checked Facebook Messenger. I checked Twitter. I checked my Twitter account, the Masterclass Twitter account, and the Super Megacorp Twitter account. I checked my text messages, and I checked all of my email. And I cannot, for the life of me, find this thing that I was supposed to add to the questions. So dear stranger, whoever you are that I cannot (laughs) remember. And I feel like it was one of my family members, which makes this even worse, but it might've been somebody else. If it is you that I'm talking about, I'm very sorry. I dropped the ball big time. And I remember thinking I need to put this in the show notes. So I don't look like an idiot on the, on the show. And here I am looking like an idiot. So I apologize that our third question is missing because I dropped the ball. So whoever you are, 
I'm sorry. And please resend the question because we will answer it next week <laughs> on episode 51. So, <sighs> all right, Dave, uh, how about we let the, sh- the folks know where the show notes are? Uh, the show notes are at masterclassfm.com slash masterclass slash five zero. We should make it slash L. Slash L. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll make it slash L just to really <laughs> annoy people. <laughs> and if people wanted to get in touch and say, maybe leave me questions that I can lose, where might they do that at? Uh, they can reach us at, at masterclassfm which is Twitter. Indeed. Uh, they can reach you at Cam Brennan, and they can reach me at 108HBO. And then we do still have email. Did you check the email for the question? I did check the email. Masterclassfm at gmail.com. Indeed. So those are all good places to get a hold of us. Yes, and then if you look us up in the yellow pages... We're not there. Yeah, you won't find us. Come on now. We're do, modern. Do they still even make the yellow pages? Uh, hmm. I sure hope not. I honestly don't know, but... Yeah. I feel like if the internet goes down, it's not the only thing that's going to go down. Power and <laughs> everything else is just going to go with it. All right. Well, I think now it's officially time that we get back to our regularly scheduled programming. Yes. And dive back into the book of Matthew. And we have got another, uh, well, it's two parables actually, but they're both incredibly short. So I figured Mm -hmm. we would discuss them both on this fine episode. So Dave, would you do us the honors, please? Sure. Matthew 13, 31 through 33. He put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. All right. Thank you, sir. So let's take the first parable first, uh, which is the mustard seed. Now, Dave, did you know that the mustard seed is very, very small? I Yeah, I kind of was aware of that. Okay, me too. <laughs> I don't know if our listeners were or not, but it's it's a wee little thing, and it grows into quite a large tree, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. My understanding is that in the Middle East, where these would be growing, they can actually get to be like 10 foot tall. Oh, I thought they got bigger than that, but maybe. I don't know. But the point is, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Because when I think of the kingdom of heaven, I don't think of this sweet little itty bitty thing. Yeah. Right? Heaven is supposed to be huge. This This giant thing, this place that we go, right? Yeah. And a kingdom is this idea of of big and strong and and mm-hmm. then they compare it to a mustard seed, which seems uh seems kind of silly on the surface. Yes. And this goes to a theme I think we've had since we've been discussing um well, since we've been in Matthew, which is 
50 episodes is that the Jews had an idea of what the kingdom of heaven was going to be. And they were wrong. They were wrong. And this is, this is like, if you're paying attention, um, this is Jesus kind of saying the kingdom of heaven is like, and um, the mustard seed, you know, they were expecting him to come on the throne be a world leader, a political leader, a king. Yeah. And literally, like, the world was going to go, ah, the Messiah is here. Yeah, they were expecting the kingdom of heaven is like the Roman Empire, except I'm in charge. That's what they were expecting. exactly. And so basically, he's basically saying, here's the mustard seed. This is, uh, you know, I guess you could say it's Jesus. You could say it's Jesus and his 12 disciples, but that's literally what he starts the kingdom of heaven. It's it's one guy, granted it's God in the flesh, but yeah. <laughs> it's still one guy. Details. Uh, and then his 12 disciples, and he turns it over to those 12 and then uh, the 70 that are obviously participating in ministry before he's gone, because uh, later on in the book of Matthew... It talks about the 70 being sent out. So um, the kingdom of heaven is is like that mustard seed, which is very small, and it grows into a large plant. And uh, that is not a sweeping change. It's not a, I'm king, and you're going to put me on the throne. It has to grow. It takes time. And he's you know very much alluding to the kingdom of heaven is not going to happen overnight. And... It's going to happen over time. Now, Which we can see in history, right? Sure. Which, I, I mean, honestly, I, to me, it, it, it seems a little odd to me that it's 2,000 years. Like, it's like, God, that's a really long time to... But... The tree has many rings, Dave. Yes. Well, and like I said, I, I mean, there's a reason why I'm not God, so... <laughs> <laughs> what a world that would be. <laughs> Thankfully, I'm not. Yeah. So I, I agree that there's this this idea of of patience and of of nurturing. And if I mean some of the most common metaphors or illusions or illustrations that God gives are all agriculturally based. Now I, along with lots of people that are far smarter than I, believe this is because of the time and the place that Jesus came. Yeah, I, I think guess. that if, he, if if Jesus came to modern New York, his his teachings would not necessarily be agricultural because the modern New Yorker is going to be far more uh, understanding of urban illustrations than farming mm-hmm. illustrations, yeah. right? But because of when and where Jesus came, but these are also very... Everyone knows whether you live, you know, in uh, the Upper East Side of Manhattan or you live in the middle of the desert in the Sahara. The concept of planting a seed and a plant growing is fairly common knowledge. So while it may have been uh, easy for the people then to understand, it's still fairly easy for people now to understand this concept of what it takes for a plant to grow, right? Mm-hmm. It, you have to plant it in, in good fertile soil and it has to have water and sunlight, right? Right. In good proportion to one another. And I, I just, I think it's very interesting that God chooses something so simple. 
It's not really that. If you think about it, right? <laughs> you stick this thing in the ground, and a tree grows out of it. It's it's kind of almost as crazy as making a baby. Yes. Like the sum is far greater than the parts, right? Yes. Uh, it, it doesn't quite make a whole lot of sense, but we're so familiar with it that it just seems commonplace. Um. So I, I think it's interesting that he compares the kingdom of God to this crazy thing that happens. This little itty bitty seed has everything in it that with a few extra ingredients and time turns into comparatively this massive thing. And it's, it's a very, uh, I think poignant because of the fact that the Jews don't see this coming. The Romans don't see it coming. Nobody sees it coming. And it's just this little, it's just this one guy with a few other people, John the Baptist before him, the disciples after him, this this little itty bitty thing that just gets started in this podunk town, and over time, and with the nurturing of the Holy Spirit and of God, grows into this global phenomenon mm-hmm. of people all over the world, across cultural boundaries, across uh, geographical boundaries, across language barriers come to realize that what was planted 2000 some years ago, we now see blossomed into this multifaceted, diverse family and all these branches of Christianity lead back to the original seed that was planted. And it's just crazy to think that that is how, God chose to operate just to kind of, uh, you know, just kind of sneak in. Cause if you think about it, Jesus is telling people all the time, especially early on, don't tell them who I am. Don't tell them how this happened. Just go to the, go to the, uh, the rabbi of the sanctuary, do what you need to do. Don't tell him I helped you out. Right. He's trying to cover his tracks up. He's trying to stay small and not be noticed. And, and yet even out of all of that, this tiny one, you know, this tiny little group of people and this one guy just set this fire that just catches and turns the whole world upside down. And it really is kind of, not kind of, it is awe-inspiring to think about that that is how God chose to go about it, to be patient, to take the slow route, to let it grow, to go through all of the ups and downs that the church has gone through over the years, all of the crap that it's pulled, all of the terrible things that it has encouraged at certain points, but yet it has grown and it has blossomed. And even despite those tough times, the church is still here today. And it just, it's really kind of, uh, see, I said it again, kind of, it's not kind of, (laughs) it, it makes my head hurt to think, that that's how God chose to go about it. And even in the even in the opportunities that we've had to screw it up, it still survives. Yeah. That's just crazy to me. Uh, yeah, I, I would absolutely uh, agree with that. And, um, you know, there are things like we have, um, we have the Bible, uh, which is obviously how God... Uh, speaks to us, 
But even with that being said, there isn't a holy language per se. You know, we're not required to read the Old Testament in Hebrew and the New Testament. Only if you're in grad school. (laughs) You know, Jesus didn't say this is the holy language, that this is is the only official version uh, that you can that you have to read. So there was a, uh, I, I wish I, re- I knew who this was, but there was a politician in, in Texas that was talking about the King James version of the Bible. Have I talked about this already? No, but he probably went to Pensacola. That's <laughs> all I can think. Actually, I think it was a female, but. Oh, she. But basically the point was, is if the King James version of the Bible was good enough for Jesus, then it's oh, good enough no. for us today. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Oh, and that right there sums uh, up everything I have to say about people that think it's KJV or die. So, yeah, Um, you know, and and, and there really is there. There isn't a, um, you know, and it it probably sounds like I'm picking on Islam here, but there isn't a holy city that we have to go to. There isn't, you know, there, there, there isn't a lot of the what I would call religious pieces to Christianity. Now, granted, I get that there are times in Christianity and maybe even um, uh, elements of Christianity today where that is somewhat true. But, yeah, but but to your point, if you if you read the scriptures, there are not hoops we have to jump through or plates that we have to keep spinning. Right. It's, Just to it's, prove... It's grace. Yeah. And... So, so yeah, so that to me is like, because I can even kind of grasp a sort of formulaic sort of, you know, you just do X, Y, and Z, follow these five rules and, you know, but it's not like that. It is truly a, and, um, I, you know, I, I look at just the different, um, kind of the heroes of the faith uh, to borrow a phrase from Hebrews, but just the heroes of the faith, even since Bible times. And um, this is one of the things I would encourage folks to do. If you haven't gone back and read um, something from, you know, early Christianity to, you know, maybe 500 years ago to 100 years ago, it is truly amazing the consistency um of who God is and his grace in all those messages. And I think, uh, it can actually get, um, the other way that, you know, people want to make this argument of, well, there's all these different translations and there's all these different opinions and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah, but when you still really come down to, to it, it's about Jesus and it's about grace. Well, and most of those translations are modern. Oh, I know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, It's just people, Trying to, you know, put their stamp on it, but yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, for a long time, it was the original languages, and then it was Latin, yeah, which was the Vulgate, the you know, the vulgar language of the people, and it was that way for a long time. And then there was the English version, and then from there. You know, us Americans in the last a hundred years, probably yeah. not even a hundred years, fifty years. No, I mean, like I use the ESV, and that is a freakishly new translation in, in the realm of Bible translations. It is a blip on the map as far as longevity is concerned. Right. 
but it's my it's my preferred. And even the NIV, I think, only came out in the nineties. Maybe maybe the eighties. Mm, I guess I don't know. I feel like that was the that was the definitely not before the seventies, but probably. But like the 80s. I feel like in the nineties, the NIV was just like everywhere. Maybe that was just my experience. Yeah. But the point is, it's really not a terribly huge deal when you consider, when you line up. And what, Well, what's funny about all this is that the KJV is based on the worst manuscripts we have. That's, that's what <laughs> makes that whole KJV or dive thing hysterical. It's like you're using the least reliable and most flawed manuscripts based on these other ones that right. have much better uh, lineage to, you know, the earliest, earliest ones we have, but we're getting off topic. Um, back to uh, this. I, what, what I, again, he, 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 Jesus makes this point. It's the smallest of all seeds. It's not a big deal, right? It's, it, it can go unnoticed. Yeah. But when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree. And so what I think about this is interesting is he doesn't just say that it's it's larger than all the garden plants, right? It becomes a tree. Mm-hmm. A tree is a symbol of, especially in scripture, of of uh, longevity, of strength, of life, of shelter. Uh, you know, it, it reminds me of, of Psalm 1, which is... Like I'm sure I've mentioned before, one of my favorite passages, and that you know the the person who dwells on on the Lord's word is is like a tree by a stream. You're set. You got the sun. You got your water mm-hmm. source. You take root and you grow strong because of where you've laid your foundation. And this is the part that I really love about verse 32. It says, uh, "It becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nest in its branches." And what is really, um. I think uh, meaningful to me of this is that those birds, they come from elsewhere, right? And they find shelter in this tree. So it means that they were living in other places and they've seen what this tree can provide them. It can provide them shelter. It can provide them life. It can provide them food. All the things that they need to survive, this tree can provide. So they leave what they had and they come to the place that can save them. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's such a, it's such a fleeting um, detail that you could miss. But I think like Jesus doesn't just mention this just to like, you know, fill out the story. It's no, I think he's being very specific here that, that it's a small seed, but it grows into something that can give you life. Mm-hmm. And I think he's, he, he could have just ended it at it's larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree. The tree picture itself is a huge, like I said, strong biblical image, right? Right. But then he adds, oh, and by the way, birds come from elsewhere and live in its branches. I just, <laughs> he's just so good at this stuff. It makes me angry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, it, it's such a, I mean, in two verses, you know what, like 40 words tops, he has perfectly illustrated what the kingdom of God is and is about and what it is coming for. Yes. And I can't, I can't explain how to tie my shoes in 40 words, <laughs> clearly. 
And he's just explained the biggest mystery. I shouldn't say explained. He has illustrated clearly one of the biggest mysteries ever in two verses. Yes. That just, it makes me feel, it makes me feel grateful, but it also makes me feel stupid at the same time, (laughs) (laughs) which, you know, isn't often a, a combination that you experience, but it's just a reminder that Jesus really was and is one of a kind. Yes. No one else can do what he did. Yes. So, and that's why we've taken 40 episodes to make it not even through seven chapters. I, <laughs> or eight I, chapters. I know. I do think about that too sometimes. How um, we've, we really haven't gone very far in over a year. Just no, you could you could read because we started at the very end of chapter four with the temptation of Christ, mm-hmm. and we are near the end of thirteen, so about eight chapters. You could read this in like twenty to thirty minutes, depending on how quick you read. Mm-hmm. What we've covered in over a year. Yes. So you know, speed is on our side, Dave. <laughs> All right. Any thoughts on verse thirty-two? Um, is that? That's that's the, the birds. <laughs> yes, it's still the mustard seed. Still the mustard seed. Before I move on to the bread, which is honestly making me quite hungry now that I think about it. Thinking about leaven. About well, not necessarily leaven, but just bread. <laughs> no, I do not have anything else to add. All right, then we shall move on to verse thirty-three, mm-hmm. which is our second parable for the day. We are twice as effective today, Dave. Two yes. whole par- two whole parables. Uh, it says the kingdom of heaven. Is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Okay, first of all, what is leaven? Um, yeast. Basically, the bread that we eat today is leavened bread. It rises over time. It does. I thought the Jews didn't eat leavened bread, though. Or is that only during festivals? Uh, I guess I don't know there. Yeah, normally they'd eat what we are familiar with is like our pita bread. Mm. It doesn't rise. Some hummus. Hummus. <laughs> that sounds so good. Man, I didn't I didn't have dinner. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, uh, we need to go to Jerusalem Cafe sometime. It's a little Ooh. place here in Kansas City that has good pita bread and hummus. We shall do that. That's like our first plug for a local <laughs> yes. eatery. Eat local folks. <laughs> All right, so uh, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour, which I'm assuming is enough flour to make bread. Yes. Is there anything significant about three measures that you're aware of? Uh, No. Okay, me either. I was just curious. No. No. uh, It's one of those numbers that tends to reoccur in the Bible. Yes, three three and seven. Yeah, my my wife is the baker. I'm the cook, so... (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, um, boy, I don't think they were opposed. Well, I shouldn't say that they weren't opposed, but um, leavened bread definitely existed. It was not a part of uh, the Jewish culture. And obviously there's some of the Old Testament um, laws related to that. Uh, but again, it's it's much like what we've talked about. It it kind of just had that practicality piece to it of leavened bread is going to last longer, than, or unleavened bread is going to last longer than bread that rises because of the 
11. So, yeah, I'm sure Orthodox Jew could tell us. I, I don't have any Orthodox Jewish friends. I don't either. Something to aim for. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, and then it says that the obviously uh, the hit it in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Okay, so to me, the mustard seed and tree made lots of sense. Right, made total sense. This one's a little more abstract to me. I agree. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that we stuck in flour until it was all yeasty. Like, <laughs> um, okay, <laughs> you lost me at yeast, Jesus. You know, you started out strong, and the second one, I'm just maybe too stupid to understand. Now, is it, I think my initial reaction is that when you put the kingdom of heaven into something, it makes that something kingdom of heaven-y. Like, is it, it's, it's kind of like, maybe a, a easier to understand parallel would be like, the kingdom of heaven is like dye that a woman took and dripped into water till it was all dyed. Like, does that make sense? Sure. Is that the same concept or am I oversimplifying it? Um, yeah, it, that might be an oversimplification, but oh, man. because I, because one of the things I would, I would say that happens with um, the yeast working through the bread is it definitely has an influence over it where, I mean, I guess technically a dye would have an influence, but well, but the dye is instantaneous, whereas right. the yeast takes time. Yeah. There's, there's this actual process. I mean, there's, there's, you know, if you've ever had bread that's rising, it actually gets warm um, from the Yeah. Cause there's the, like the chemical process. reactions yeah. going on. And so it, it works its way through and it takes time. It doesn't happen quickly. And, you know, if you, if you rush it, you're going to ruin it. And so there's, you know, there's, there are those parallels of, uh, it's, it's working through and it's, you have to be patient for it. And, um, it definitely has an influence over, you know, the, the, the leaven is going to influence the flower. The flower is not going to influence it. Well, and then also, too, I just thought about this, that the flower by itself is never going to change. No. It will always be flour. But if you combine the yeast and the flour and a bit of water, then that allows the yeast to fundamentally change the flour into something new mm -hmm. and something different. And again, we're turning it into food in this instance, so something that gives life. And yes. sustains, right? And it, this is starting to make more sense now that we talk about it. But the, the kingdom of heaven is like a something that will fundamentally change what it infiltrates. Mm -hmm. So if if God can get the kingdom of heaven into you, he is going to fundamentally change you. Yes. And if we look at what God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit call us to as Christians, it is nothing but change, right? We are, we are to 
repent, which mm-hmm. is, as we've said before, to do a 180 from what we were doing. It's not just to say, oh gosh, darn God, I'm just so sorry I sin. It's no. The idea of repenting is you are heading in a direction and you hit the brakes, pull a Yui and go the other way. <laughs> Much like I'm sure you've done uh, many a night or day while on patrol. <laughs> sure. Hit the brakes, do a Yui, throw the lights on, you're hot after somebody, right? <laughs> That is a very a very memorable visualization of what it means to repent. Right. I think we've all seen a police officer do that. <laughs> and it freaks us out because they think they're after we think they're after us, but it's somebody else. Uh, but this this idea that the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven can just by itself fundamentally alter another being, culture, time whatever it is that the flower represents uh, is something that we should not miss. You know, cause when you compare the pile of uh, flour with the small amount of water and the very, very small amount of yeast it takes to change the flour, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's a little bit of yeast goes a long way. If I am not mistaken, yep. you can do a lot of, leavening with a wee little bit of yeast yep, uh, and change a whole lot of flour into something completely different. And it just, the transformative nature of Jesus is something that we should not miss or underestimate in our lives. Yes, very much so. And, and I, I think this goes even back to what, what you began with the, the agricultural, um, illustration of just this would have been commonplace for people in Jesus' day, much more so than it is today. And for two guys that have probably never made a loaf of bread in our lives, I've eaten lots of loaves of bread, but I've never <laughs> made one. We can quickly grasp the concept of it, and that's mm-hmm. I think what's going on here is is it spoke to the people, his direct audience that he was speaking to, but it very much carries over today in an illustration that is not difficult for us to grasp. So. Yeah, at first I was confused, but the more that we've, you know, thought about it and discussed it and and kind of gotten into exactly what's happening, you're like, oh, I yes. see what you're up to here, Jesus. And it it the, these sorts of things, the the unassuming small seed, uh, the the small amount of yeast, it's very telling to me that God is, or Jesus here is, willingly admitting the kingdom of God comes in in an unassuming form. He's not saying the kingdom of God is like a nuclear missile (laughs) and the mushroom clouds shall save thee. There's nothing big. There's no big marketing scheme. There's no uh, announcement. There's nothing uh, human about it, right? If, If you or I wanted to change the world, we're not just going to go to, to a small town and start teaching people, right? No, we're going we're gonna to raise a bunch of money. We're going to launch a social media campaign <laughs> and TV commercials, just like all of the lovely Democrats and Republicans are doing right now yeah. for the campaign. And that's a great word for it. We would campaign for the world to know what we have. God never, Jesus never campaigned. He would no, teach. No, in fact, he was kind of like, take it or leave it. Exactly. I, I mean, he was really kind of like, I I'm, I don't want to sound so cavalier, but it, it really was sort of like, if you don't get it, 
right. Well, and that's I, the I'm whole idea gonna, of the I'm parables. not going to sit. Yeah, it's like I'm not going to sit here and hold your hand. It's here. It is. If you desire to know more, you will find out more. I I, I really believe that. And it is that that is so counterintuitive to how <laughs> I think any of us would approach it. Right. Oh yeah. We would be pounding people's doors down, which is, and I think this is, this is where God shows his true understanding of human nature, because guess what? He made us. So he knows it better than anybody is that there is nothing like a, there is nothing like natural desire. You can't fake it. Right. And so if I come pounding on your door to tell you the latest, great, what is your first reaction? Screw you. You're like, get away, get off my porch. I don't want to hear it. You're I'm watching football or, but if, if I start uh, seeing you in the neighborhood and just planning these little questions or doing things that cause you to think, then all of a sudden your natural desire to figure out why I'm different. Right. Makes you think about it. And then maybe eventually you come to me and say, why do you do this? This doesn't, you're different from the neighbors. And, and Jesus was a little more forthright from that in that, that he was teaching and he was out, um, meeting the Pharisees in, you know, uh, the market and in the city gates and all that sort of stuff. But this idea that he is not launching a campaign, he is not declaring martial law. He is not conquering anything. He is just living life in a way that is drawing attention because he's so different. And frankly, it's pissing off the powers because it's disrupting the status quo. Mm -hmm. And I just wonder what that would look like for me and for you and for our listeners to try and figure out, like not not to say I'm going to be Jesus because I'm not. I sin. I'm selfish. I have pride. Like I, I am not Jesus, and I'm grateful that He is because I need Him every day. Uh, but what what would it look like for us? to try and understand this mentality with our friends and family and coworkers and neighbors mm -hmm. that we can act. We don't have to be flamboyant. We don't have to be outspoken. We don't have to give all of our, those people tracks. We don't have to invite them to church every time that we see them. All we have to do is be, and I hate to use this word intentional about, the interactions we have with them so that we are consistently planting that seed or adding that yeast. And we are just letting God bring the kingdom into their lives little by little until they realize, holy cow, something is changing in my life. And, and I realize that's a very metaphorical way to talk about it. Cause I don't know how to plant a seed in someone's life physically. That sounds kind of creepy when you think <laughs> about it, but, but when you have conversations with your coworkers and neighbors and, and family members that, that aren't Christians or even are Christians, that just need encouragement and, and just, you don't have to solve every problem. You don't have to be a superhero. You don't have to have all the answers, but 
approaching your life with the mentality of wanting to let God work through you is not magical. It's, it's through small things, just like Jesus says. It's through the small little things that may go unnoticed, but eventually grow into something greater. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is one of the reasons why humility is such a big concept and a big teaching point for Jesus is that Christianity is about small, humble things from small, humble beginnings. And it's not about us. It's not about where you're born or any of that. It's being humble and doing small things and letting God grow those small things into what he wants. Yes. And if only I live my life that way, Dave. <laughs> it's so easy. I can talk a really good game, but that is yes. so hard for me to remember and to do. Uh, much, much easier said than done. And trust me, I am preaching to myself so hard right now. Oh, yeah. So hard. Yes. I just talked a lot. What do you think? Um, you know, really, I, th- I think I have two last things that I want to say, because I think we're kind of close to. Um, good place to go reference the, well, good place. Um, reference the leaven bread. Uh, Deuteronomy 16 uh, talks about um, eating, eating unleavened bread uh, during the Passover. And specifically, uh, Deuteronomy 16.3 talks about eating no leavened bread within it for seven days. And, well, I'll leave it at that. For those of you who want to know more, you'll go to Deuteronomy 16 and you'll pursue and, and uh, see what the leavened bread is all about. And then the second thing is, is I keep thinking about, I, I, I have to confess, and I'm a little bit embarrassed to confess this. I actually, uh, I really enjoy Jesus Christ Superstar, the musical. Never seen it. Um, it's it, like I remember watching it as a little kid, like the like the TV version of it, and being so confused, <laughs> like just not getting it. Um, but but there's been different things about it that over time, there's just there's just it is dripping with truth. I mean, if you can you know get past the 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 pop culture and Andrew Lloyd Webber and all that kind of stuff, there's just so much in it, and it. it it uh the the actual song Jesus Christ Superstar has you know it has these comments of uh why'd you choose such a backward time in such a strange land if you'd come today you could have reached a whole nation Israel in 4 BC had no mass communication oh my and it's God. just and it's it, it 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 actually plays better than what my <laughs> cheesy reading of that did but um it just, it doesn't make sense. You know, if you really look at what Jesus did and all that kind of stuff, it makes no sense. And that's, it's just such a God thing for him to do it in a way that we wouldn't do it. And um, just kind of reaffirms for me so many things about our faith and, and, and uh, pursuing him. So those were just, I guess, final thoughts that I just had as we were sitting here talking all right. Well, I think unfortunately that brings us to the very end of. I think we're over an hour. <laughs> episode L. Dave. Yes, sir. It's been a pleasure. Yes. To do this for the first fifty. 
Absolutely. Here is to 50 more. 50 more. <laughs> All right. Thanks to everyone for listening. You guys and ladies have a lovely, lovely day. Bye.